Welcome back to the side quest of Wilson and Windsor Libertadores. It is the Copper Supplementary podcast here on the network. Is it acceptable, David Windsor, joining me to call it a podcast network now that we've got two separate podcasts covering two different tournaments? You've done it. <laughs> so it's, so it's in the now. bank, yeah. All right, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, diving into the sister competition of the Copper Libertadores in one quick hit this week. The first ever group stage in the tournament's history got underway. We had some real twists and turns and we saw some exemplary football from a couple of the biggest sides in the competition. Uh, I want to start, David Windsor, by just talking very quickly about how nice it is to see a side like Peñarol not only be so good in the I was looking for an adjective and then I've settled on good, which is very disappointing on myself there. It's a staple. It's solid. So so good in the uh, the first round of the competition against uh, Cerro Lago and then carry that into the, the real meat now of the competition in the group stage. Uh, a phenomenal victory, a 5-1 win in their opening group game and looking the part, finally, of South American footballing elite. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always good, I think, for from the outside looking in, if you're looking to grab onto something in a tournament that you know nothing about, instinctively you're going to go towards the bigger clubs and the well-known clubs, right? Uh, so, so I think, you know, in, when you look and you look at the, the sides in this, there are still some huge football clubs in it, which I'm sure you'll talk about, Ollie. but you look at, you know, um, you know, Independiente and, and Peñarol and Corinthians and Libertad, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just wanted to, just before you dispel your wisdom on what we've seen so far this week. I was just going to ask you a question, Ollie. Who do you think of all the clubs in the Copa Sudamericana will be the happiest chairman this weekend? Which chairman do you think has the champagne on ice? Because I know the answer, but I want to know Ooh. if you know the answer. Wow, okay. Um... Which chairman has sat back, literally just refreshing their bank balance with a massive smile on their face, with champagne on ice, booking their holiday to the Maldives. I would say a Dossi de Octubre's chairman in Paraguay mm-hmm. because of the victory over Rosario Central, which we'll also come on to. But I'm already seeing the finger wag of no, 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 no. <laughs> the correct answer is the Huachipato chairman, um, the Chilean club, because with Soteldo leaving Santos of course. Uh, to Toronto, Huachipato are getting 75% of that fee, which, Ollie, I don't know the inner workings of Huachipato's finances, but I would suggest that money is a game changer for a football club like that. And I tell you what, they won. Huachipato winning on the road against San Lorenzo this week as well. One of the turnups in the Copa Sudamericana this week. We can talk about, we've spoken about the uh, Soteldo move already on <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. Wilson and Windsor Libertadores podcast, which obviously, if you're listening to this, you've probably listened to that as already. But for a Chilean club, I mean, that is a huge amount of money for for a side like that, mm. isn't it? I mean... During a pandemic as well, it's an injection of cash you wouldn't have expected. We are so used to talking about, you know, six million is nothing now. That's what, you know, almost League One players get picked up for to move into the championship. So... For this side, though, Huachipato, and, and for um, the majority of the sides on this continent, you know, you think um, Atletico Mineiro only play, paid 6.5.8 million, I think it was, for Nacho Fernandez. Okay, I mean, again, yeah. it's, it's, that's a steal. It, mm. And it makes you wonder why other big sides don't don't offer those prices for some of the talent on this continent. But yes, a health, hefty uh, bit of cash going into the bank balance there for Huachipato. Uh, getting back to uh, Peñarol just quickly, Augustin 
Alvarez Martinez becomes the first ever under 20 for the Uruguayan side to score four goals in a Copa Sudamericana tournament, which is, I think, one of the nichest facts that I can think of. Because if it was just the first under 20 to score four goals in a tournament, that's one thing. But it's the first ever Peñarol player to score in a tournament that hasn't been going that long either, the Copa Sudamericana. That is one of those niche facts that... But I think that's really hard to beat. As in, when is a Peñarol player under 20 going to score four goals in the Sudamericana? I mean, that's something that could hold for 50, 100 years. True, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a crazy thing, that. But it's but it's also so unnecessary and kind of meaningless to some extent in that way as well. Because that <laughs> opportunity isn't going to come around very often. If there was a level of competition that players were able to gonna compete to do that a lot and it stayed strong for a long period of time, it would highlight how uh, impressive a fact it is. But the fact that it probably isn't going to even have an opportunity to be recreated for another 10 years, perhaps also highlights how meaningless a stat it is. And that's what the <laughs> supplementary podcast is all about. It's meaningless stats in a fantastic tournament to get the attention on the Sudamericana. I think because obviously Peñarol bring through a lot of young players, Ollie, and I imagine that would be increasingly um, the case as they've kind of dropped down the, the top tier of South American club football. But you'll get, I feel sorry for the next Peñarol teenager who scores a hat-trick in the competition. And then because he'll think he's had a great and then someone will just pop up with that statistic <laughs> and it just devalues it slightly. Oh, you've not, you've not scored four though, have you? So you should probably, yeah. Um, no, he scored two, of course, in the second leg uh, against Cerro Lago. Uh, gets his name on the score sheet twice again in a, a 5-1 victory over Sport Huancayo in, uh, in Uruguay. This is a Peñarol side though that I don't know how much attention people pay to Peñarol, but these are names that have been around at the club now for for a couple of years in terms of Facundo Torres, David Terrence, uh, obviously the teenager coming through, Augustin Alvarez, Martinez, uh, Jesus Trindade as well. Uh, Kevin Dawson between the posts, a very experienced keeper. And finally, I'm willing to put a stamp on Peñarol to say that they could win this tournament. They should get through uh, their group, but they could very easily win this tournament and finally kind of put those names back on the map, if you will in South American football. We did have some big upsets too. Is an upset in the supplementary Sudamericana more impressive than in the Libertadores because you sometimes get such a difference in caliber of the opposition because the Chilean, Ecuadorian, Colombian sides in this tournament are nowhere near as impressive names, a lot of them, as their counterparts in the Libertadores. So for one of those sides, like a Hachipato, to win against a giant like San Lorenzo, to me, screams one of the biggest upsets on the continent in recent years, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's probably easier to get a huge upset, but it's harder to sell that upset to the masses. Just because it's harder, you know, in the Libertadores, people instantly know that if a Palmeiras or a River or a Boca got beaten, uh, you know, or Flamengo got beaten 5-0 to a smaller club, it's an easier on-the-surface sell. But, Oli, the upsets in the in the, um, in the the Sudamericana are going to have to be described, you know, um, by, uh, by yourself in the supplementary podcast. Well, there was plenty more away from San Lorenzo, as I mentioned earlier. Dossi de Octubre... Um named after the, the date of Columbus Day, but couldn't find a link between Christopher Columbus and the club in my research, Amazing. which is wild. Uh, not the date that they were formed either. So definitely not that. 
Well, more more investigation, or if anybody knows, let me sure. know, please, why they are Dossi de Octubre. Uh, getting a victory over another one of the supposed big sides in Argentinian football that's been actually, I think, quite dormant in recent years, Rosario Central, um, uh, in Paraguay at least, though, rather than being on the road like Huachipato. But the other one that stands out for me in terms of big sides not making an impact is how lacklustre Corinthians, as, uh, as our friend Bira would call them, um, played against River Plate. And this is a Corinthian side that, again, arguably the best supported club in Brazilian football. There's that big battle between them and Flamengo. The, the fans are very proud of that. And um, I'd be happy to get Bira on at some point in this podcast as well, just to see his yeah. thoughts uh, on Corinthians and their approach to this tournament. But to play away against River Plate of Paraguay, yet another River Plate on the South American stage, a River Plate side who haven't played, they were only playing their fifth game of South American continental football in the club's history, whereas Corinthians haven't won in their last four games in the Sudamericana with a beaten semi-finalist in 2019 to Independiente del Valle. Looking to avenge that start so flat. I mean, barely had a chance in this game. And it's just another kind of a letdown and you wonder if perhaps Corinthians are looking at this as well it's not the Libertadores so why should we put in as much effort we've got the regional tournaments at the moment that uh, hold a little more pride in Brazilian football and the congested schedule yeah but how snobby can these clubs afford to be you know how snobby can Corinthians afford to be if you, if you go, can go deep in the Sudamericana and we know from the last few years it really does come alive and it can you know it can propel you it can propel you beyond that. I mean, look at Gashada winning the Sudamericana with River before he went on to to have success in the Libertadores. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's it's one of those tournaments that if you can if you can take it seriously enough as a big club to go deep and then win it, it can be a game changer. I think in terms of momentum for the for the football club. I was you might be just about to get onto this, Ollie, but I was going to ask how um uh you know. Gremio, obviously, with the transition with Renato Gaucho, mm. leaving the football club after many years and failure to get through qualification and reach the group stages of the Libertadores this year. Big transition for the football club, but I saw they beat Lackidad 2-1. Yeah, I was going to come into that in terms of treating the tournament with respect. And you look at the starting eleven for Gremio. Breno uh, between the posts, Jean-Pierre, uh, Ferreira, uh, Diego Sosa in the starting lineup as well, Tiago Santos, Alisson. I mean, they, they put out a very strong side to take on Laekidad on home soil, a, a game they would be expected to win. They're expected to to top their group as well in Group G, uh, along with Aragua and Lanús. Although Lanús, obviously the beaten finalists from last year's Sudamericana, will fancy their name to be in the hat as well come the end of the group stage. But Gremio were very good. Uh, Diego Sosa, this is the importance, I think, in South American football of having... He is a Gabby goal-like centre-forward in that he's just a finisher, isn't he? He can do a little bit of layoff and holding up in and around the 18-yard box, and he's a great finisher from inside the penalty area. And that's what you need in his performance scoring and then laying on the uh, the second for Paolo Miranda, ensuring they got the victory over Lekidad 2-1 on home soil. A bit of nastiness between Omar Duarte and Rodriguez. There was a, uh, a kerfuffle, shall we say, um, Love to see with uh, with Rodriguez. Such an unnecessary, like two players challenging on the sideline and then he just swings an erratic arm out and whacks him. Uh, really silly. And then Omar Duarte comes on off the bench, scores five minutes later uh, in the 95th minute, then gets himself sent off for a, for a desperate lunge, which sums up South American football completely. Comes on <laughs> after like 80 minutes, gets a goal, gets sent off. Pumping. Good night, job done. Absolutely pumping, yeah. Um, just on Diego Sosa, I mean, uh, yeah, really 
really quality player. She'd be playing in the Libertadores. And, and you look at it, four goals in the Libertadores qualifying, and then he's already bagged a goal in the in the first round of the Sudamericana. So yeah, if they can keep him all season, then then yeah, he could go. He could be top scorer. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for him, the goals in the Libertadores don't carry over into the Sudamericana. No, so he's got to hit the reset <laughs> button, which is surprising because again, you would have thought those qualification goals they count throughout the rest of the tournament <laughs> in, in other tournaments. So you just would have thought perhaps South American football would come to that conclusion that ah, fluid, keep those fluid. as well. Keep them going. Um, Just quickly, elsewhere, some other important results. Tejeres de Cordoba in their first ever continental game, taking on Emelec, and Tejeres took the game to Emelec and were very impressive against uh, the uh, Ecuadorian side that is expected to take that group quite comfortably in Group G, along with uh, Arby Bragantino and Deportes Tolima. I think Emelec looked the strongest side in that, but Tejeres is a really nippy, fast-paced team and will be one to watch. The other key story, really, this week in the Commonwealth Sudamericana is uh, is the hat-trick of Herrera for Independiente, which is quite incredible. Jonathan Herrera, arriving at the club this season, has only played in a couple of games domestically, sits himself in the starting eleven for their first group game of the tournament, and he scores on his first ever start for Independiente, not just once, not just twice, but thrice to pick up a hat-trick and an uh, impressive win as well for the Argentinian side over Guabira. And it's nice, again, it's another king of the cups, the the continental pedigree, coming to the forefront a little, and a great storyline as well to follow if Jonathan Herrera, who's put himself in the prime seats now to be the top scorer in this competition, can carry on this sort of form with a, a fantastic result. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I just, I'm looking at all the results, Ollie, and next to it, it's all got... Attendant zero, attendant zero, attendant zero. Just bring, <laughs> brings it on my, my thing, so it just brings it all back to me. But um, uh, yeah, Independiente del... Yeah, it's it, it, it's a club, obviously, with such massive success in terms of the cup competitions that, that you want to see them do well. Um, I saw Manchester City Torque as well. I mean, sorry, Montevideo City Torque won a piece. <laughs> if that was intentional, that's genius. If it was unintentional, then it's still yeah, genius. It's I like it. Of course it was. <laughs> Yeah. And why did you call them RB, not Red Bull? Because they are RB in the same way it's RB Leipzig. Yeah, but you've got to, I think you've got to... Oh, you think they've yeah. paid for the club so they need to have the sponsorship? <laughs> I quite like a Red Bull as well. I'm not just saying that because I want them to take me on as lead commentator. I just think I just quite <laughs> like a Red Bull. Take Can't stand the stuff personally. Can't stand it. Um, but that is where the Copa Sudamericana lies at the moment. The opening round of the group stage is done and dusted. Plenty of twists and turns already. We'll be staying on top of everything as this tournament continues. One to watch as well for Independiente. You're talking about Herrera. Alan Velasco, wonderful little creative player. He's one to keep an eye on as we go through the tournament. going to try and pick out somebody that hasn't quite grabbed the headlines, but is somebody to watch every single week as we continue through this continental journey. And check out the group standings online because we're not going to run through them every week. There's just not enough time.